Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Eva Longoria has been even more busy behind the camera as she has been in front of it. Well, I'll tell you what I had to overcome was being the stigma of being a dumb actor. And it was more of that, like, because there's so many actors that don't make good directors, right? Like, that's, it's not like, oh, you're an actor, you, not everybody should do this. (laughs) I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Eva Longoria, the director behind the recent feature Flamin' Hot and one of Variety's recent 10 directors to watch. But first, on the Award Circuit Roundtable, we discuss the latest on the sag after strike and the seeming stalemate with the AMPTP, and what that might mean for production in the coming months and, of course, winter awards season. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is another edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast Roundtable. I'm Michael Schneider. I've got Janelle Riley sitting across from me. Hey, being very cold. In purple. In, in ube, ube purple. Ube purple in honor of Michael Schneider. <laughs> Delicious. People are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Jazz Tanke agrees with me. Yeah, but this is not a round table. The table's actually a rectangle. This is, right. this is Sorry true. to be like really This weird. is all a lie. Our round table has never been round. All a lie. Clayton Davis. It's an around table because we're around award season. Yeah, yeah. Dad joke and of you're the a, year. And you're an around the way girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, um, last time we chatted, we were so optimistic. <laughs> we were like... Hey, it's not funny. Why am I laughing? It's no. so it's full really of ourselves. Disappointing. So, and the, the sad thing is the listeners never really got to hear it because I had to go back and edit out all of our optimism from last week's podcast. No, you should have kept it. Because <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're one big lie Yeah, now. so it would have just been a complete lie. Like when we recorded it on Tuesday, things were looking really good with the sag after strike. And then cut what to like difference. 24 hours yep. later, I'm like, oh, well, I got to edit this out. Wow. So, well, thanks sorry. for making us look smarter than we deserve. <laughs> Exactly. Well, that goes to show you that no one knew. I mean, it, it, things did seem to be on the upswing until Wednesday when the talks broke All down. All broke loose. And we realized, oh, yeah, no, our our uh, premature uh, uh, observation, uh, uh, jubilance, uh, was not quite there. So, And what did – do we know exactly what the breakdown was over? I've, friends I mean, became enemies. Enemies became yeah. friends. That's well, the only thing I can Did anyone like, storm out this time? That's it, what it, I want to know. It sounds like they were – much further apart than we were led to believe. Yes. We were told for a while that things were getting good, that they they were really close on most points, and it turns out no, even not 20, at all. Even twenty four hours before, the word on the street was they were far apart on AI, and that was the sticking was point, it. and yeah. that was not it. No. Sounds like that one is pretty 
<laughs> like okay, right? Well, well, and the funny thing is, yeah, the, the other thing that we heard was that it was the uh, the the increase in minimums was the big sticking point, which is a sticking which was point, true. yeah, which was true. But it's not apparently the big sticking point right now, which was this. Uh, well, Sarandos, Ted Sarandos calls it a levy, which SAG-AFTRA says this is not a levy, but they are asking for a percentage of revenue that comes out revenue of revenue share, yeah, yep. and that is a something someone with descri- the producers. Someone just said it to me. It was the non-starter of all non-starters. Like we we thought SAG and WGA had their own non-starters, but this one bubbled up in in the early days of it. But people thought like no one's going to try to bring that to the table because they know. Yeah, yeah. I there's even no heard way. About that in a while, I didn't think it was. Yes, it was like it was, it was like a day one like yeah. <laughs> kind of talking point, and then they were like, no, day hundred. Where are we? Let's be really negative this week, and then hopefully you'll have to edit all out. <laughs> yes. Speedy resolution. Wouldn't that be great soon. if, like, tomorrow there's a deal and I have to go? I will happily go back and edit all this out if there's a deal on Wednesday. We want to oh. make your life rough. Yeah, yeah. And it'll just be us being like, hi. Spoiler alert, there's not going to be a deal on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're there's pre- no meeting tomorrow, right? Yeah, I know. No. There's no, yeah, there's no scheduled meeting. No scheduled yeah. meeting. Well, yeah, as far as, <laughs> as, far as can, can I just say, man, conspiracy theorists, man, are really living their best life right now because they're just really? like don't go down those holes well, i know Wait. but it, it's just a little bit of like you know listen man we always know what's gonna happen they're you know they're not talking they are talking don't worry like it's just like whatever you, like so they're, what's they're the a big po- prevailing theory they're a po- well there's, it's just what they're saying is a possibility i'm like sure maybe maybe they are sure. talking it's maybe, just whiplash maybe we just don't know yeah well i think th- i think that's been proven over the past couple of weeks is that uh, they did a good job in, in keeping the lid on these talks because we really had no idea and, and so optimism was ruling the day which is nice we're all optimistic because i think after the the wga strike was resolved we're just really yeah. hoping that okay can we get back to work uh, but no, uh, we're not there yet. So fingers crossed. Right now, the rhetoric seems to be ultra high. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time for that to cool down yeah. and for hopefully people to come back to the table. Lock the door, please. Mm-hmm. Don't leave mm-hmm. until you have a deal. Can I ask a question about uh, the rhetoric? And I'm going to say this not as an industry professional, as someone who really just doesn't try to understand this. So revenue share, which I think it, on its face, whatever, like we can say what we want about it, but like, sure, if someone was like, I want to share in some of your revenue, great. Let's just say they gave it to them. How do you determine how that gets split up among Ooh. people when you don't share data? Well, and that's why they're going with revenue share because then it's not about what's successful or what's not. It's, it's just, just everyone gets a piece. Everyone gets a piece of every predetermined subscriber yeah. because we do know the number of subscribers. That number is out there. Ooh, do you remember what it is? Four? So, Yes. They're now pie people subscribe to Netflix. Oh, can I just uh, – the number that they asked for was 57 cents of every subscriber every year or every month, every forever. To be allocated amongst To be allocated or, amongst okay. that, which quickly I was like, that's a lot of – and money like just start like start running through the numbers the max, now yeah. now obviously some people are like you know they can afford it sure everyone can can afford it but i think there's like a discrepancy about how much it would cost uh amptp says 800 million dollars and then sex it was inflated by 60 percent i think they said but uh, i was told still, there'd be no yeah. math in this job i know, I know. we're journalists i i don't know the math i mean <laughs> so. it's, it sounds like 800 million dollars to I me I, I, so, I started everyone. like yeah. think, thinking about it but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, one lump for everyone. I'm just, you start thinking about like how 
people who are re- like the Adam Sandlers of the world who are killing it on Netflix. You know, and yeah, he has a separate deal, but he's like a lot of his stuff gets watched, and then if there's just some guy that comes in and then he gets the same amount of money how does that right the, the clayton davis the, the clayton clayton davis is when i get yeah. my show on yeah. netflix and it gets canceled mm-hmm. after one season yeah midway yeah. through midway through i always <laughs> meant to watch your show and i just you know yeah. is it still on is it still stream? I just, <laughs> what time I stream is it, it? Exactly? Yeah, exactly what channel it's on tuesdays at eight <laughs> on netflix <laughs> is that is that pt or et yeah. what's your lead-in um <laughs> So, so yeah, so we're, we're kind of at this stalemate now, which unfortunately now is going to bleed into November, it feels like. Oh, and that's yeah. really starting to impact events. It's impacting the, the campaigning, of course, ca- affecting a lot of things that we had planned for yeah. November. Mm-hmm. So, so um, where, do, where do we stand now in terms of uh, – so, so you two are off to different festivals in the coming weeks. We're just week. sort of directors and writers. We're, so, just, yeah. we're only talking to directors yeah. and writers and, and interim agreements. My column this week is about how for the first time maybe in history, independent uh, studios have a leg up on the competition. Yes, yes they do. Because A24 and Neon – are not members of the AMPTP, and they uh, A24 has secured interim agreements for all their films. Uh, Neon has most of theirs covered. Origin, as of right now, this moment today, because this always is rolling, um, does not have one yet. They're still waiting for their like response. What about Ever- IFC? Because both Patricia Clarkson and Glenn Howerton so, were, were comp- uh, at Newport Beach Film Festival. I believe. I believe IFC is a member of AMPTP, but they're. There, some films were able to uh, to secure. Yeah. So Monica secured one like early on. Monica the movie. I always Monica have to specify. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Patricia Clarkson and Trace Lissette. Yes. Um, so yeah. So they the actors can be out there. Yeah. yeah. Which is Patricia now, was out there this weekend looking freaking fantastic. By the way, can I? I, I spoke with her earlier this uh, season, and my God, like we we, like, we were just like reminiscing. And I was like, I remember two thousand three. Uh, yes. And her oh Oscar run for Pieces of April. And I was just like, and you look the same. We were talking about Easy A because somebody in one of the, well, I'm not, you know, Senate, Either. Congress, whatever, I can't keep things straight, mm. had worn a, a Scarlet A. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Oh, wow. And so we were, we were laughing about that. That's funny. <laughs> oh, the death of democracy is <laughs> always Priscilla's funny. benefiting a lot from it. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, especially when you have like like, a, like a, a Jacob Alordi, like who's yeah. like a big yep. – deal right now being able to be out there past lives i mean saw jacob and kaylee last night at a priscilla q a and they are just so lovely and i'm so happy that they can talk about those performances kaylee spaney who plays priscilla was actually on 10 actors to watch four years ago wow i oh, believe really? yeah and so watching that pay off i believe she's 26 now oh my goodness because i think she was like 21 or 22 we put her on actually it's it's kind of funny we put her on in the year she was in on the basis of sex um Bad Times at the El Royale, mm. and she was in Vice playing the young Liz Cheney, but her scenes were cut out. Oh, so I was like, I don't remember her. Yeah, anymore. so it was, you know, and then watching her over the years, seeing she's going to be in Mare of Easttown, finally seeing her in a role like Priscilla, that is that, you know, she's first on the call sheet in every shot, and she's one of the only people I've seen play 14 to 24, and I didn't laugh at some mm. point because mm. they looked ridiculous. She's She's amazing. incredible in that. By the way, yeah. is this a peak year for movies named after women's first names? <laughs> Monica, Priscilla. Um, Barbie. 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 Oppenheimer. I have a yes, friend. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. My good friend Oppenheimer Oppie. Oppie. Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's there's a couple more. I, I guess I'm not. I'm sure there are, yeah. Carmen? There's, there's not just one Eileen. name movies. Rustin. 
uh, Oppenheimer, Golda, Maestro, that's right. Maestro, sort of. <laughs> um, yeah, Ferrari, Napoleon. Yeah, yeah those one name. Bob Napoleon. Yes, yeah, Bob yeah. Napoleon. Air. Nyad. Nyad. <laughs> Nyad. Which Air. is a last name. That's that's a woman's last name. So that's and close. Dicks, right? Yes, <laughs> too. Yes. Um, so yeah. So it's Clark. So so indie studios have like a little bit of a leg up, but well, but I think still remains the point that the actors just because you have an interim agreement, I mean the actors have to come out. Like Adam Driver went to Venice, but I don't know if we're going to be seeing Adam Driver a lot more yeah. out here doing stuff for Ferrari. Well, doesn't that like the the narrative for for years now has been that indies sort of have a leg up in the Oscar competition? Is that the just the the stereotype? Uh, of- I think leg up in. I guess like being taken seriously, but not like up in a in a campaign mode because of the because of the money because of the money. Yeah. But the the thing about it is, I guess the big point is when this gets turned back on, streamers could just be like boom, turn it up, put it up to ten, and yeah. then just like it's going to get so loud mm-hmm. so fast. So this is a great moment for those. They, they have to like, capitalize on this moment yeah. right now. Yeah. I was yeah. mostly worried with this strike, but maybe Michael can reassure me. We're not going to miss a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror this year, are we? They've already written and shot. And right. We way. are. We are lucky with the animation <sighs> schedules. <laughs> that those are done in advance. So. I've never seen tears almost well up in so many people. <laughs> I know. The- no, I hear tension. you. Priorities. Priorities. I mean, to skip a year, yeah. I remember one year my grandma had to turn 100, and I had to miss every year for New Year's Eve. I write a 24-hour play with my theater company. I had to go to Kauai and celebrate my grandma <laughs> on this beautiful island and miss the show that I've been doing for 19 years. To go to Kauai. Yeah. How inconsiderate. Yes. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, I think we're lucky with that. But that's, uh, yeah, when, when the, the, the outliers right now in TV are these few shows that managed to, to bank many episodes. And now with, uh, you know, going back to, you know, production not starting up as quickly as expected, uh, we may not see new original episodes of, you know, the franchises, the, the procedurals like the Dick Wolf shows until maybe, you know, end of January or February, if we're lucky, if, if cameras start rolling uh, by the start of November. I feel like we're just going to have like April and May is just going to be everyone's going to drop like their 10 or 13 yeah. episodes or their required six for Emmys just so they can like be part of the conversation and then go back and re yeah. Again. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because a lot of these shows, uh, you know, they, they need to do more than six to amortize their costs. So, you know, you may still you see a lot of these shows spill into summer or they'll save some of those episodes for fall. Um, and hangover rules done. I wonder if they suspended again for like a year. The, the Emmy's hangover rule. Oh, if you if you yeah. if you bleed into the summer, you can't like that. Those don't count. Those aren't orphaned episodes anymore. This so, would be a good opportunity for the Emmys to move to a year-round calendar. But then that would put them. Per, I mean, we're, we'll see how the, this goes with this January Emmys. But it's. Uh, I mean, that's a cluster F right now it, in the middle a of everything F. else. Yeah. To, Such a dad. Kids are listening. Kids are listening. <laughs> Sophia listens to this sometimes. Maybe we're, we're regulated by the oh, FCC. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. I saw Sophia, your daughter, dragged you to the Taylor Swift. No, movie. actually, to be clear. It wasn't even Sophia that dragged us. It was Noah. Oh, I love oh my God. So Noah is a sw- – Noah. Uh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Since, since we're moving on to Taylor Talk now, we need our theme song. Taylor Talk. Taylor <laughs> Talk. Taylor <laughs> Talk. Taylor Talk. Look what you made me do. Okay. Yeah. Of all um, the songs, Michael, of, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so I was dragged by my son Noah, eight years old, and my wife, Jessica, 
30 something years old. Yeah. Um, Smart man. Yeah. Smart man. Uh, to the Eras tour. Uh, they are the Swifties, but Noah like loves Taylor Swift. Aww, like, and, and, and it's, and he, I've never, you know, I, I think everyone knows this that's listening or if you don't, Noah's autistic. So he, but he's verbal and he like expresses he's very funny. Sometimes I think he's punky me, but, but, <laughs> what, but it, oh, so, yeah, yeah, all the time. Cause sometimes he just says things and I'm just like, like one time we were, I remember, this is a long con. If I, rem- that's the case. I, I remember when we were, he was five and we were walking and we were crossing the street and he went, Oh, look, daddy, police utility vehicle. And I was like, like I would never even say that. I was so specific. So just things like that. But for him to like sit in a theater, he's only been to one movie before, which was Super Mario Brothers earlier this year. And he sat, but like he got up a couple of times and he had to like go to the bathroom at one point. But the movie, the movie was playing, the music was playing, and he rocked it, which like he's stimming, but he was sitting there and he just like was in it. Wow. And, it was, and I, I was, it was very like, I don't want to say strange, but it was like cathartic in a way to yeah. like watch him like take it all in. For and th- and three I, hours, 45 minutes. For two hours. No, 245, two, sorry. Two yeah, hours yeah. And 48 minutes, uh, which he reminded me of and told everyone as we walked in the movie. My daddy says the movie's two hours and 47 minutes. He kept saying it wrong. I was like, you're a minute short, but I guess. <laughs> But thank you for sharing. But you're eight. But you're so eight. We'll yeah. Right. But um, the and then I whispered in his ear, you know, it's not eligible for Oscars, right? <laughs> you know, just to, like throw him off. Not that he cares. But Wait, it's why not, is it it's, not? It's not because uh, pre-recorded performances are not eligible. But uh, come Emmy time, we're gonna have Beyonce and Taylor Swift. Love it. Uh, Is it really Emmys. two hours and forty seven minutes? Two it's two forty eight. Yeah. Wait. So it'll be eligible for an Emmy though. Uh, yeah, I think as long as they go on TV somewhere, they can. I even pr- now, even though it's been distributed I, in theaters, I don't think it has to go. I don't think there's a rule against the because they used to be that rule, but then they got rid of it for docs and stuff this year. I think it, it can as long as it airs somewhere, it can still go Emmy. Yeah, but Emmys, Emmys this, Emmys this year and Grammys, it can do also, but 2025. Wow, because I that know. eligibility window. Grammys closed. are always weird. Like, they have the I worst calendar. Right, everybody. Yeah. Like I feel like they just like awarded best new group to the Beatles or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their they're eligibility yeah. voting very... is happening right now as we speak. It closes on Friday. But you know what's so cute about Noah liking Taylor is that I've noticed so many boys like her. Like we went to see it because Nolan is sixteen. He's loved her for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And it's like he was the reason we went. Yeah, to is see that it. your nephew? No, we're just like his lesbian aunts. Oh, um, <laughs> just to- <laughs> I love that description of it. <laughs> I know. Her like lesbian aunts. Him and no, and Elliot. Everyone adopts a, a kid somewhere. Um, That's yeah, weird. I believe we just passed Lesbian Aunt Day. So <laughs> a belated. Oh, I forgot to get happy, you. Yeah, yeah um, we're gonna create one. Now, but it was though. very yeah. sweet I mean, to, to get see you a like. Tool set. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but it was so sweet to see like people like it wasn't. It was such a great experience, right? Yeah. To see people just dancing, or like taking yeah. out their phones and filming and just... Yeah, not just, sure how I feel about that. So actually, my theory about that was, and I went to the theater and it wasn't very packed and they didn't get up and scream and dance. And there's theories that, well, one is that even though it grossed $94 million, which is a great opening, it's far less than what 
they had projected. They right. projected 150. And we were to 120 and 150, and it did 94. So I think the, the opening night screaming people, I think that was real. I think that deterred dads. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> sure, that's why I was dreading going. I was like, I, if some kid is screaming next to me, I can't deal right, with this. Right, right. Someone in front of you is standing up and dancing the yeah. entire time. You can't see the screen. And then, or they're yeah. singing and you can't hear the music. That yeah, that, 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 that sounded like a yeah. nightmare to me. Yeah. And was it, that your experience at your screening? It wasn't so much. I mean, I brought earplugs because I'm an old lady, just in case. Because I didn't want like a 12 year old screaming in my ear. Like, you right? Know, see, so respect. you were bracing. I was bracing for it, and I had earplugs, but nobody was screaming. They were like dancing and yeah. cheering. Back in wasn't. my day, we used to just watch movies. <laughs> but I think, and that's the been the reports for the most part. It's like people were mostly, uh, other than that first day, mostly in mostly, mostly empty theaters, and, tame watching, yeah. and so. It's uh, the the. It's too bad that that word didn't get out because yeah. I bet by Sunday people would have been going. I think the audience was eighty percent female. That was what was reported. So like, if if maybe the screaming, if they and they did like no promotion for it except for uh, Instagram. But if they hadn't shown the screaming <laughs> kids, then more men probably would have uh, went to the movies. That's a theory, and then it would have actually did that. Yeah. That little bit extra. There was a theater down at Newport Beach that had on their marquee um, Taylor Swift and The Exorcist. <laughs> and I was like, wait, do those go together? It's a new film coming out. Right. Too. Well, wasn't that like they, they were going to try to make that like the, the Barbenheimer? The, <laughs> oh, yeah. The Exorcist. Remember, that was going to be a thing. Reagan but Swift. then they, they moved The Exorcist to a different weekend. So who knows? Maybe we could have had an Exorcist. Which they probably should have held. Like yeah. Now, in hindsight, I think they probably should have just held the date. Yeah. Because dads would have been like, you go there, I'm yeah. going to go yeah. here. And See then, you in two, three hours. Right, right. <laughs> I'll watch Exorcist twice. And then <laughs> I'll come back. Again, look what you made me do. Yeah. So. Again, of all the songs. <laughs> and the also, one. and I'm not. Shake it off. <laughs> Just shake it go. off, Janelle. That's I'm better. also not a Swifty. Not saying, like, I, I, I think she's a very talented young lady and I think she does great music. But I'm not like. I didn't know all her songs. So I was sitting there a lot of the time like, I don't know what this is. Um, but then there are certain eras that I was like, you know, pun intended, that I was really identifying with. But I think that's with everyone with musicians. I think whoever is your era of like when you're a teenager into your young 20s, usually you just kind of own them. Yeah. Well, our, our colleague, uh, Kate Arthur, who also brought her family, uh, I, I guess – her son was getting antsy after a while, but luckily she came along with the set list that mm. our colleague Chris Wilman uh, thankfully put together <laughs> so you could kind of follow along and see how far you were in the show and you could sort of gauge, okay, at this point, uh, you know, we're in the folklore section, so things are going to get awfully slow mm -hmm. and, and uh, indie, so stay tuned. Uh, but but that's an, probably another way to go watch it is if you just grab the set list and, and – Follow along too, and maybe it doesn't feel as long then if, yeah, if you're kind of available at variety.com. Variety.com. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I would like a cabin now, though, just randomly. Her cabin. Um, it was a very set. nice cabin. It was yeah. a very nice cabin. What is this like a cabin in the woods? Or? Uh, yeah, it's like the whole theme of folklore. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't ask me questions. I have to answer that Swifties are going to yell at me for like, actually, it's not a cabin. It's a hut of wood. Or <laughs> Do whatever. you see production it in the movie? design? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. okay. she puts on her, her production, like her concert, like what. Her stage um, production designs are beautiful. Like, it's a really – it was a really great show. I just don't love anyone that much to go to SoFi and take three hours to get out of. Like, I, do, I don't think there's anyone I love that much. 
Well, I didn't see the Taylor Swift movie. I was I had to binge um, Fall of the House of Usher, and I think someone's still monologuing somewhere. Um, I I took a step away, but uh, maybe I'll try and go this week. How how is Usher in that? You know what? Something I without spoiling anything. What I will say is Mike Flanagan is so good at. Telling these stories and, and making you fall in love with these characters and then brutally killing them off. Here, it's a little more fun because you do not like these characters. Like <laughs> and, so watch, and it tells you up front, like, they're all going to die in grisly ways. So it's a, it's a little bit more of a release. I, I wouldn't um, put it – I'd put it – behind Haunting of Hill House and um, Midnight Mass. But when they kill Usher, does he go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael. No? That was that was the go-to for Usher. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Bruce Greenwood is excellent in the role, and I know he was like a last-second replacement for Frank, Frank Langella, and honestly, I'm, I'm so happy it's him. I love He's Bruce, so, Bruce Greenwood. I was just watching a Flight last night, randomly, um, and uh, he's fantastic in that. I Like, yeah. he, 13 Days, man. Yep. It's, like, it's where they missed their opportunity. He's like one of those Great like, the, like that, that guy actor. actors yeah. Yeah. that like just – I want a moment for So him. solid, yeah. so great. Yeah. Good guy. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Michael. Um, I do want to uh, do one uh, little, like, kind of check-in about okay. screenings, about, like, you know, voters going out without campaigning. This makes the season a little more pure. Yeah. Yeah. Quote, yeah. Ish. I mean, simil- similar to 2020 where, the, where everyone was home and the, everyone campaigned in their own little – Microwaves, but um, this, said microwaves. My, it did sound like yeah. my, when I said it, I was like, "That sounds like microwaves." Yeah. Microwaves. Um, I think uh, th- there are people that are coming out to screenings, and there are a lot of movies that people are enjoying. But also, they have the digital screening room that's uh, uh, revving up. BAFTA is really on top of it right now. They have ninety nine movies on there right now. A lot that are British. Ninety nine movies and eight. It's, it's a ve- it's a very very British. Uh, uh, lineup and some stuff from last year, but Oscars currently have, uh, at this time we're recording 45 wow. uh, on there, which include uh, El Conde from Netflix and the double horror duo from Universal Pictures, Cocaine Bear and Megan. Love it. Which I mm. love that they even put them on there. And then uh, there's 18 uh, international features, but that's going to bulk up to like 90 soon. And 11 animated movies, which include Spider Man. Uh, three from Netflix, uh, including Nimona, and they shot the piano player from Sony Pictures Classics, which I really, really enjoyed. Love it. Uh, and then Elemental is obviously on there, the Disney stuff. Yeah, yeah. Still love Elemental. Um, do I want. Uh, we're going to tra- backtrack for a minute to yeah. something with the Emmys. I don't know if this is a production Wrong or just a, just a. Well, because we're talking about the TV calendar. Do you think? Yeah. But similar to the Oscars in 2020, they're going to extend the eligibility window. To June thirty first, this well, year. they can't because there is no June thirty first. I mean, June, right. that is true. There's no June thirty first. That is true because that's oh, July first. Here's my some bur- burn cream. I know. Yeah. I think you might. That need is July first. My birthday, June thirty first. Uh, yes, June thirtieth. I thank you for the correction. No, no, I, no I, I, I don't. August think... has thirty one days, and that's one of the weird thirty ones. dates has September, yeah. Yeah, yeah. June, and November. Yeah, August thirty first is a great day, by the way. To so what? It's his birthday. No. Is it really? Yes. I did remember so. that. We'll get you an ube cake. Uh, it's not too late. Yeah. <laughs> not too late. Um, we're celebrating our birthdays today. Supposedly. They were a month ago. So. All right. Better late than never. Um, 
I don't. I don't think so. I, you don't think they'll I, no, no. I think. I think because they're trying to like just keep things as close to normal as possible. And once you start to extend things, then you just mess up the following year's calendar. It, 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 unless you really have to s- switch things up, I don't think you need to in this case. Uh, okay. So uh, unless something really bad happens, um, like we're in February and we're still like striking. <laughs> oh, yeah, but God. even then, don't forget. There's been a lot of television. Yes, I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, there always there's is a lot so of television. Much content yeah. Still. So, so I don't know if there's there. You need to do that. You'll still have more TV eligible this year, even with the strikes, than you did maybe 10, 15 years ago, when there were fewer networks and no streamers, true, and true, true. and so you're still going to have a uh, plenty to choose from. Um, you know, even if. And by the way, the the shows that have been hit the hardest are the broadcast network shows that generally don't get many nominations anyway. So burn, burn. Sorry, yeah. networks, but that's um, just the way it goes. So yeah, I, I don't think they they don't want to set up that precedent because then what do you do the following year? Do you have a shorter window? Have yeah. you permanently changed the window? It just kind of gets messy. And it's important for you, Mike, to explain this because I don't know. I can't articulate the answer. Why is SNL allowed to exist right now? Uh, it's, a, it's a different SAG after contract. It's called Network Code, and that's the same contract that the uh, uh, talk show hosts are under, game show hosts, uh, you know, that that kind of thing. So Saturday Night Live, because it was a late night show and, and produced uh, sort of uh, in the same like way that talk shows are produced, it's a different contract. So those network that Network Code contract isn't up until next year. So uh, that's the deal that all those uh, performers are signed to. So but, that's but why an actor that's on strike. I can't host SNL. Like, would that are they like they could? They just can't talk about their past or present projects uh, because they could host under the net code deal as well. Could they act one of their like, like in a parody? Can, can they do a spoof of the, Ooh, that? That like, like, yeah. We're, like yeah, that's like, where it gets yeah, a little say, dicey. Like, pa- if, if, let's say Pedro Pascal went on today. Could he do the Mario like the Mario bit? Because that's a callback to the I don't. I, I guess I, the technicality. Of yeah, I, I think. I mean, Pete Davidson did reference Bupkis his show a couple times. Oh, he did. Mm. Yeah, but but in roundabout ways, or yeah. other people would say things. Basically, right. but it was always about like how nobody was watching, so it was also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, actually, you know, he never said the name. Yeah, I don't think he did. He would be like, uh, you know, he has a show that no one watches. Was that during yeah. the I'm Just Pete song? That It was then, yes, and, yeah. and at the beginning of that sketch, the other people are talking like, he had a show with Joe Pesci and no yeah. one even watched. By the yeah. way, I thought Pete Davidson was great. Yeah, he was good he host. Was good. Yeah, no, I thought it was a good first episode. And again, T-Swizzle and uh, Travis <laughs> Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, who, by the way, I had never heard of until he hosted Saturday Night Live, I believe, last year. And was, I remember like, tweeting during it, like, I have no idea who this guy is, but he's brilliant. And now you can't go a day without seeing <laughs> yeah. a reference of him doing something somewhere. Um, yeah, that, uh, that is the <laughs> I highly urge everyone to Google Travis Kelsey All-American Girl Saturday Night Live sketch. Because it is absolutely brilliant. Go back and watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so so that, that's the, the long and short of how they're able to come back and the talk shows are able to come back. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, I think that does it for this week. Uh, who do we have as a guest this week? Uh, Mr. Eva Davis? Longoria. Ah, oh, yeah. Unbelievable. I just had Lemon Hot Cheetos this morning. Did you? Actually, Like for again, breakfast? Uh, hey, don't judge. <laughs> no, it's, 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 my, that's fine. With, with milk? Yeah. Yeah. 9 a.m. Is, is dinner for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, when I was in Newport Beach, there was a um, – the AMC there that was showing uh, Taylor Swift and The Exorcist happened to have Flaming Hot Cheeto popcorn. Mm. And oh. it was amazing. Yeah. 
Have there you had you the go. flaming hot Cheeto mac and cheese? No, you know, I'm not a mac and cheese person. <gasps> I know. Wow. That's like my so jam. Weird. Wow. All right, guys, stay on target. <laughs> stay on target. <laughs> Star Wars. Wait, we didn't give a shout out to Killers of the Flower Moon that opens this oh weekend. Oh, yeah. yeah Killers go, of the Flower Moon. Go see it. In IMAX. It's amazing. I, I want to see it in IMAX. That must look beautiful. Stunning. Go Lily Gladstone and Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio. Yeah. Lily Gladstone. And Robert De Niro. Lily Gladstone from Reservation Dogs. Yes. Television. Yes. Billions. Television. You just love Two. television. Yeah. You should be an editor for television. <laughs> By the um, way, uh, at a PGA screening on Sunday, something that was very reassuring was there was a, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't say throughout the movie, but there are a couple scenes that, that it's really funny. It yes. Is you know the ones yes. I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. 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 There was a lot of laughter and yeah. it made me yeah. feel better. It's funny. Yeah. The second time I saw it, someone had said, I'm, because it was the first time that I'd seen it with an American audience, and they said, "I can't. I don't think they we laughed a lot, and I think it doesn't translate internationally yeah. some right. of the jokes." And a lot of people laughed. I mean, Leo stuff is what's yes. Yes. Like really, really yeah. funny. Yeah, De Niro has a specific scene where he's yeah. yelling yep. at him. Oh, yeah, really so, very so funny. All right. Well, on that note, how many? How long is that movie again? Three hours and it twenty nine minutes, by. and it goes. By I know, but the, I swear, God, the Swifty ever yells and be like, "Oh, yeah. it's too long." I'm like, "What? What did you do at the concert?" That was a four-hour concert or whatever that yeah. was. So, Again, yeah. I went to the screening and I wore compression socks. I had a jacket that was going to double as a blanket. I was like ready to settle in. I knew where the bathroom was so that yeah. I could rush out. I didn't get up once. Okay. No, we didn't. We were there. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right. So that's opening this weekend. We got Eva coming up. And in the meantime, uh, safe travels. to, uh, And we'll, we'll talk to you on the Zoom next week. But we'll be back next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. After the break, Flamin' Hot director and executive producer Eva Longoria. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Michael Schneider. Flamin' Hot tells the story of Richard Montaigne's, a Frito-Lay executive often credited with the creation of Flamin' Hot Cheetos. The real-life character is played by Jesse Garcia in the film. Since the film's premiere launch on June 9 on Hulu and Disney+, Plus, it has become Searchlight Pictures' most-watched streaming movie of all time, according to the studio. But it wasn't without controversy, as Montaigne's claims were disputed by a Los Angeles Times report in which Frito-Lay stated that an internal investigation turned up no evidence that he was involved in any capacity in the Flaming Hot test market in 1990. The movie itself, written by Louis Colick and Linda Yvette Chavez, works around this issue by incorporating much of the Times report into its story, acknowledging the test marketing done at a different factory, while still crediting Montaigne's with pioneering Frito-Lay's efforts to expand into the vastly untapped Latino market. All you got to know about the loco is rotation is the key. Out with the old and with the new. They're all old. Yeah, well, brown neighborhood. Why flavors? Do the math. I mean, who eats Cool Ranch anyway? Excuse me. That lady. Director Eva Longoria first made her mark as a star of ABC's blockbuster drama Desperate Housewives and has since branched out as a director, producer, author, entrepreneur, and activist. Her unbelievable banner produced the ABC dramedy Grand Hotel, the NBC comedy Telenovela, and the Netflix docuseries Reversing Row. She made her film directorial debut earlier this year with Flamin' Hot, and she was also tapped as one of Variety's 10 directors to watch for 2023. 
Most recently, Longoria and Chris Abrego, the veteran unscripted producer and executive, have just joined forces to launch Hyphenate Media Group, a company that will be part production company, part talent scouting agency, and part business incubator. Banerjee, where Abrego serves as chairman of the Americas, has made a strategic investment in the company. Friday's Clayton Davis caught up with Longoria to discuss the film, her growing production oversight, and even whether she'd be up for revisiting Wisteria Lane. Clayton began by asking her about her reactions to the Hollywood strikes, including the recent stalemate between SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP. My reaction about it is how non-transparent it is. Like, Mm. I don't know what's happening behind these closed doors. I don't know what we're asking for. I mean, I have an idea because I've read in the trades, but Mm. there's not very much information coming out of these closed door things other than you guys mm-hmm. leaking it and going so we heard through mm-hmm. the great and it's like why do we have to hear through the grapevine like why can't we just tell everybody what's happening yeah you know so that's the thing it's like i feel like um uh oh god what is it amptp yep i can never <laughs> it, get it, that it one right long, was, it's an eye chart it's, <laughs> it's really hard to it's an eye chart i feel like amptp are, is this weird group of like n- no face <laughs> you know and you're just like it's them that's yeah. all I know. It's just them. And you're like, what is this? Who are these people? Why don't they, you know, come out into the light? Yeah. So it's, 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 you know, it's disheartening, but I feel like it, it's needed, right? Like this disruption in stepping back and looking at the last 10 years. When was it? 2008? Yeah. How many years? Is uh, it? It's, it's streaming's been around I for was, about I was on yeah. Desperate Housewives. We were being picketed. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, because we were finishing the episode we were on. We're like, guys, we are shutting down. Like, mm-hmm. Don't worry. We are with the writers. We are with the actors. And I remember um, it was so fast. It was three months. And I was like, okay. Like it felt like, oh, this will be quick. And yeah. the fact that it's been this long is really – it's really surprising. But at the same time, not. But like I said, because the changes in our industry have been exponential in the last 10 years. Yeah. We are not in the same ball game, And so things need to be revisited. And I, it's interesting you say that because I – I have said that we we're in an evolution. We see it every few millennia. Mm. Um, it went from you know the invention of television killed the radio, quote yeah. unquote, uh, from silent films to talkies, yeah. you know, from black and white to color, and we're in our next evolution, you know, mm. television to streaming. Yeah, and I and not only that, television to YouTube to um, social media, like our disposable hours of viewing, you're competing with a lot of stuff. You're yeah. not just competing with streamer, other streamers. You're competing with Instagram and social media and uh, video games, yep. right? So it's, some people, someone said that to me recently and I got – I was. it was something I, I realized when we were talking about award shows. You said it used to be we'd only see like – even Longoria and Halle Berry every like few months, like like you know now we can just see you, we can follow you right <laughs> and see you every day. <laughs> yeah, and and that used to be like the appeal of award shows, and some people, you know, are theorizing that's the lackluster like rating uh, debate. Yeah, which I, I don't really buy into that, but I just think that uh, celeb celebrities, quote unquote, whatever you want to yeah. call us, but go, um, that you're just more accessible than you've ever been. Yeah. And there is a changing evolution that's happening. My fear, I'm sure, as you probably share, is what does it look like when we come back? You know, it took, mm-hmm. it took a long time to – I mean, I, I think I've said this to you before. I've been covering the Oscars since 2008. Uh, 
on some type of professional level. Mm. And I don't think, I think I maybe a handful of times I've written a Latina woman's name in my best director charts. Oh. Cause they don't, I haven't seen the opportunity a lot yeah. there. Well, for, for, we don't get a lot of bites um, at the apple. And, one. and I think you might've been like my fourth or fifth time ever like listed one on. There. Really? And now, and yes. And it was, and it was like, it like, Congratulations, that movie's so good that you can do that. <laughs> oh, but you. also, like, damn, like, I wh- know. Like- Let me tell you, when I when I was pitching myself for this job, I remember there was no comps for the movie I wanted to make. Like, I was like, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like that. I mean, it's a little bit of this. I was like, this movie hasn't been made, and I don't mean that in a ego. You know, oh, I'm, mm-hmm. that's and that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying. When's the last time we've seen a Latin lead with a Latina director with a, a, a thematic substance that has to do with classism and racism that says something but super commercial because it's a big brand? Like that movie didn't exist because yeah. because we don't exist in media. And mm. that's the problem, right? Like I was I, – I'm lucky to have Patricia Cardoza with Real Women Have Curves and um, – uh, uh, Patricia Riggin with uh, all the movies she's done. But like – where women have curves was twenty years ago, right? Like we can't have a movie every twenty years. What are we doing? And yeah. so um, it's important for me to say this, just because, like, in case anyone's listening, they're like, "That's not true." We have some data to back this up because it's just on Variety we revealed uh, Latinos had only 10, 10 leading roles across twenty twenty two's top grossing one hundred films per a study at USC Annenberg. Yeah. And that's Ten. that's leading role, right? Leading yeah. role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the 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 last study they did over a thirteen year period, over thirteen thousand movies, less than five percent of Latinos yeah. had speaking parts. Speaking parts, but that could have been one word. That that could have been Como? <laughs> <Yeah. Hola. laughs> uh, yeah, like, like literally they were like, oh yes, we got another one. Like we <laughs> have to twist ourselves into pretzels to like not make it look as bleak as it could feel or, yeah. or seem. Yeah. But yeah, like this. Well, is- I think also people people look at Hollywood and go, You guys are so progressive. You guys are doing it right. We are not. Mm-hmm. If you look at the numbers, we are going in the wrong direction. There's mm-hmm. less female directors now than there were a couple years ago. There's less Latinos in TV and film than there were a couple years ago. And I think there's been, you know, a shift with this buzzword of diversity, right? Like it's like ev- out of everybody's mouth is like diversity, diversity. And which is like the new F word, it feels like. I know. It and I feel like, like people have gotten diversity fatigue mm-hmm. and sometimes they go oh well you're only on that list because they obviously needed to put a latina on mm-hmm. or they needed to put a black person on a list yeah. so you're the token one and i'm like no we actually have a a large pool of talented directors writers producers actors that don't get the opportunity so many people have seen my movie and go wow who's that jesse garcia and i go He's been around for 20 years. Yeah. He, you know, broke out 15 years ago at Sundance with uh, Quinceañera. Mm-hmm. He should have had the opportunities that most other actors have. And he's never been able to show his breath of work like he did in my movie. Yep. And uh, and that's when I was like, he's always been that good of an actor. He just never had the the breath of a character to show people like, I can do this, I can do that. I can play different time periods. I can be funny. I can be emotional. I can be strong. I can be vulnerable. I mean, he was fantastic in yeah. the movie. Oh, he, he is, I mean, him and Annie Gonzalez, Precious yeah. Cargo, those two, yeah. really – 
like again and and the the tokenism uh argument which it really I mean listen I got that when I got when I got offered the job here when they announced me I got that a lot You did? For, it was it was quite like, like it's weird to be shocked by racism sometimes especially when you cover it so much <laughs> but like I like it really caught me off guard that people were like well you know the, journalism needs uh, the, everyone's looking for a black guy or a latino guy and you have both so you yeah. check two boxes so good for you and I was like oh that Sure. Th- thanks that I guess I earned it, maybe. I guess I could be. But good you're at like this. a hidden Latino, too, because your name isn't I, end in a Z. I, 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 it's end in a Z. And listen, I have to, I told I, I, it's okay to accept this. And I recognize that I have been able to kind of maneuver in this like stealth, like, you know, Latino black man, because people look at the name, they're like, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. And then I sit in front of them, they're like, maybe, like, you look a little <laughs> tinty, but I'm not quite sure what, what I'm getting here. So let's try this. Like, yeah. you know, listen, yeah. colorism's real and it, and it, and it can, uh, you know, yeah, but, but the, the point of it is, and I think you live by this mantra as well. If you're the first in something which can be very lonely and you're first one to walk into the room, we should make it our job to make sure the door doesn't close behind us. So we yeah. hold it open so more people can come in because yeah. I don't w- want to just hang out with all of you the whole time. <laughs> I need, I need some, other, I need my people, I need my people in here with me. <laughs> and then that's how you get real change. Yeah. I agree with that. You know, I remember uh, when Cheryl um, wrote her lean in book and, uh, and I loved it. And I was like, yeah, but I think we should reach back. Like, we got to reach back. Like it's not just about leaning forward and going and going and going and, breaking down all these barriers and just, you know, arriving there by yourself. And, and so that was kind of a – also the movie was a microcosm of that. Like mm. I wanted to be surrounded by my peeps. Yeah. And when I got to hire all my department heads and I consciously was like I want it literally through the lens of a Latino um, – point of view. I really want my costume designer, my production designer, my DP, my props guy, like these, I need the authenticity to shine through. And sometimes people think because you did the diversity hire, you (laughs) compromised the talent, right? Like, oh, okay. So you probably didn't get the best department. I'd be like, no, actually my movie thrived. And I think was primarily successful because I had those people because that's the thing is like get people who are who can really do the job and yes. capture the things that not everyone can see yeah and and can't like I'm saying just the way food boils in a film that a Latino has helmed looks different than boil <laughs> like like I, I remember like in the heights I remember looking at in the heights and there was uh she was cooking um Olga, Olga Meredith's character yeah was cooking a uh, Oh. I was cooking a uh, ropa vieja, uh-huh. and it, and I was like, you could smell I could the ropa sm- vieja. I could smell it through like the screen. I was like, I was like Latino writer. There's a person of color directing this. Like, like they know, they yeah. get it. Yeah, and yeah. also like there were times in Flaming Hot, like when they're the way they're trying the Cheetos is like the, the way they put it in their mouths would look different. Yeah, if a Latino. Well, if you look if, at if, Tony, the way Tony Shalhoub tastes. <laughs> The flaming hot Cheeto in the movie versus mm-hmm. the kids, right? Yep. It's like, yeah, totally different. Um, also, you know, with like shot, shot choice. Wow, that's a hard word. Mm-hmm. The shot choice uh, or shot composition of like when, when I was like, we have to have the red fingerprints. Like everybody knew that, especially yep. in the Latino community was like when your hands get – your fingers get so red. And that was probably the highest um, – 
rated moment in the film was yeah. the finger, the close up, yeah. ultra close up of uh, extreme close up of these finger fingertips yeah. with red red powder all over them. Um, I want to ask you something. You know, you talked about you know doing the pitch for this movie, mm. and there, I remember thinking initially when. It was announced that you were gonna you were gonna helm this, and this happens a lot with any um, person that's notable that's gonna step behind the camera for the first time. That is known not just for their beauty, but beauty is part of that conversation. How much do you, did you feel like you had to like convince them that? Yes, I can. I can look good, but I also can do this too. Like it's not one or the <laughs> it other. It's so hard being but, so but, beautiful. No, but 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 it, but it is something that I feel like. And you know, well, I, I'll tell you what I had to overcome yeah, was being. You know, the the probably the the stigma of being a dumb actor, right? <laughs> like. And a dumb so, TV actor at that, yes, right? Like it was like, right. Because there are different like, yeah. lenses of that. I'm a dumb TV mm. actor. Like, okay, could you just go away? <laughs> um, and it was more of that. Like, because there's so many actors that don't make good directors, yeah. right? Like, that's it's not like, oh, not you're an actor. You should be able to do it. Not everybody should do this. <laughs> it's not for everybody. I remember a, a very famous actor came and shadowed me uh, for a week uh, while I directed Blackish. And we finished the week and she goes, yeah, I decided I don't want to do this. <laughs> like she was literally like, oh, this is what it is. Never mind. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. But so it was that of like, look, I'm more than the actor that you know from TV. I've been directing for 12 years and I really touched every rung of the ladder. I started with short films. I started with episodic TV. I did half hour. I did one hour. I did mm -hmm. drama. I did comedy. I did dramedy. I did baby pilots. I've done big pilots. I've done, you know, and so I've done action. I've have, you know, it's like the next natural step for me was a feature, but I wasn't looking for a feature when Flaming Hot came yeah. along. I wasn't like, now it's time for my feature. Yeah. It fell in my lap and I... And my agent, I've told you this story before, my agent was like, look, I'm sending you this script. You'll never get it. Not because she didn't believe in me, because she said there's so many directors going out on it. Yeah. They're kind of honed in on a couple already. Mm. Um, but I'd like for you to throw your hat in the ring and go in and impress them so they think of you for the other jobs. And she's like, and it's Searchlight. They're very picky. Um, you know, they're very They won Best Picture like four yeah. times over yeah. the last 12 years. Yeah. yeah. She's like, so – Look, just go in and, and make a good impression. But once I read the script, I was like, oh, this is mine. <laughs> He's like, I want Oh, nobody's directing this except me. And so um, that going in. So you went and beat up Steven Spielberg. Even, you like went to his house and you yeah. went, Spielberg, no. Like, Listen, no. you're not doing this, Steven. <laughs> it's me. Like, like step <laughs> it's off, mine. Step off. Man. Step off, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I, just <laughs> I just imagine you just be like, I need the names of the people. I need to make some calls. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in the finals? Oh, yeah. I'm going to visit them. Uh, yeah, the Latin in me. Uh, <laughs> no, but, you know, it was funny because Devon, I had to go through Devon Franklin first. Mm. And, um, and they called – my agent called Devon and they go, hey, Eva wants to come in on this movie. He goes, oh, for what role? And <laughs> she goes, no, no, no. She wants to come in to direct. And he goes, oh, and he didn't know I was directing. And he goes, I didn't – I'm not aware of her work. And he said – he even says to this day, he goes, I just wanted to meet you. I wasn't really excited. <laughs> like, come on in. Yeah. He's like, I'll meet her. Who doesn't want to meet Eva? Uh, and when I went in, he's he, he meant you – know, and I did. This is true. But I had the script – and every single page was like doggy flapped, highlighted, circled, written over. 
And I was like, we've got to blow up the script and we've got to, um, this is, it's got to be from this perspective. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I just did my spiel to him and he was like, oh, she's, she's a serious director. Like, oh, okay. She brought it. And I was like, yes. Yeah. Like, uh, but you know what? I found out also, it's so much better to be underestimated. So much better as mm-hmm. opposed to somebody going, she's amazing. Under, under promise, over deliver. Yeah. It's the, it's the best way to be. And it happened world. when I picked the DP too, because I mm-hmm. really wanted this DP, Federico Cantini. And he hadn't done a movie of this size before. And um, he came from commercials and music videos, which is why I loved him. Like his framing and his composition. And if you see Flaming Hot, the camera's never the, still. The music video, as I, when you said it, it, like I was like, yes, it is like a music video. Yeah. It feels a lot it like It moves. That. It moves. And my editor, um, she was like, wow, like you guys made this like Legos. I can move this here. I can put this here. Like we really wanted it to move and be dynamic. But when I was fighting for him, you know, Searchlight's amazing because they do have access to amazing DPs. Yeah. And because I was a first-time feature director, they go, we really want to surround you with somebody who, you know, can execute your vision and we want to want you in good hands. And I met – I must have met with three Oscar-winning DPs. And all of them felt like it was the little movie they were doing in between their big stuff. Yeah. Right, and I was like, no, 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 no. This is the big movie, yeah. like, like, like a good stop to make before yeah, I have to go okay. off. Yeah, okay. Let me go do this. Or they weren't making the same movie as me. Like they, they oh. had ideas that I was like, oh, oh, no, 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 it's not that. And Federico, he he came in. He had never seen my deck or anything. He had all the same references. He had all the same ideas. He goes, I think it needs to feel like this. It should feel like this. I was like, oh my god, that's exactly what I said. Yeah. Oh my god. So it was like he wants to make the same movie I do. And he was a very kind human being. He's just a kind human being. But so I go to search. I'm like, I really want this one. And they were like, okay. And they, you know, reluctantly let me hire him, but kind of said, now it's on you. Mm. We tried to put an Oscar winning TV behind you. Uh, kind of, yeah, if you shit the bed, uh, it's your fault. We like wait to fail kind of thing. Like, right, right, but they weren't like dis- like yeah. disappointed, but they were just like, oh, okay. okay. And they really like, if this is your vision, we will support it. But with the caveat of like, if if you fall, you fall because yeah. we, we told we you. We told you so. We told you so. And uh, and so I go to Feather. My good news is you got the job. And we're like, ah, we're celebrating. I go, bad news is they really don't think we can do this, I don't <laughs> think. And he goes, hey, there's no better place to be in than a place where we have to prove ourselves. Yeah. And that was daily. That was like our mantra every day was like, we can't fail. We got to prove ourselves. It's got to be, we got to be better. We got to be faster. We got to be cheaper. We got to be uh, more creative. We got to be, it was just, uh, it was a beautiful working relationship because we both felt that fire. Yeah. And we both felt. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> we both felt the flame. Um, but we both felt the urgency mm-hmm. and the need to get it right and to, for it to be really undeniably good. It couldn't be on the fence like, it's okay movie. Yeah, no, it had to be. be undeniably good. Every shot, every frame, every um, scene, it was, and it, and that's, so So my point of being like underestimated, great. Underestimate me all day long because then I'll show up. Um, to follow up with that, and it, <laughs> I feel this a lot sometimes too, because you were given this opportunity and you were talking about like, you know, we can't fail. That, it's, added pressure underlined for people like you and I because we know if we mess this up it will be 
the door closes. It'll be 25 years before they Yes. Because they're, they're always going to be like, do you remember when we let Eva direct the movie? Do you remember? We let <laughs> yeah. Clayton remember do that? the awards editor at Variety. Remember that one time, remember that one time we hired the person of color? And, 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 and sometimes the weight of that is is heavy. It's a heavy burden to, oh, to yeah. carry because you, you, you want to say, like, I'm doing this, like, I'm doing this because I want to do it, but you you know, like you know, I'm also doing this for my people. I want to yeah. I want to represent us well. What what does that feel like? Or yeah. how did you oh, deal with that? I felt that every day. It was a weight I carried, and it wasn't till we screened like at La Leaf, you know, mm-hmm. the Latino, the Los Angeles Latino Film Festival, that the acceptance of the movie, and I mm-hmm. go, we did it. Okay, we did it because I made this for you. I made this for. Us and uh, so for them, for for the Latino community to, to particularly embrace it and hold it, you know, near and dear to their hearts and be proud of it, as proud as I was of making it. That that to me, like, oh, that landed so um, heavy because I did carry that weight with me every day of shooting. And not only did I like at Feather also, mm-hmm. we were like, we got to get this right because if we fuck up, they're never going to hire a Latino DP. And they're mm-hmm. never going to hire mm-hmm. another Latina director. But Jesse carried that. Annie carried that. Yeah. Our costume designer carried that. Our production designer was like, oh God, oh God, oh God. Okay, we got it. Everybody felt it without me ever saying it. I never said, guys, here's the deal. They all felt it on their own. And it wasn't until we were doing the press junket yeah. that we all kind of revealed this weight we all carried and didn't talk about. Like, I think Jesse had like five mental breakdowns in the in the film because it was so much work. We were going so fast. Here's he was playing three different time periods. He was changing wigs. He was, and I, before I hired him, I was like, "We're doing this. We're hitting the ground running. We, you know, there's no time, no room for error." And he kind of was like, "Yep, got it. Yeah, of course." And then we're on set, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is so much." And I never knew until we got in the press junket that everybody felt the same way. We all felt that pressure to like represent. And um, somebody asked me this the other day too, of like the pressure of representing. Everyone on screen too, right? Like all Latinos. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's something I don't think is my job. I can't be everything to everybody. It's it's not anyone's job. And that that has been one of our uh, – we're going to get real uh, (laughs) broad here. But the the lack of unity in the Latino community is our one hindrance that will hold us back forever. Mm. Like we are not ready to have the conversation about like, you can't generalize 500 million people, guys. We like, there are, there are white Latinos, there are Afro Latinos, there are Asian Latinos. Mm-hmm. Like we come from, mm-hmm. we, span, Light, dark, we span every uh, yeah. continent. Yeah. You can't encapsulate us all. So we can't, and listen, we Lin-Manuel felt this and in, in the Heights. Yeah. You know, it was like, guys, it's New York city. Like, we got everyone like there and you know, we can't check, you know, we can't like, you can't check, can't every check box. box everybody. No, it, it, it's impossible. Well, We're going to fail. You know, and that's, that's the, that's the thing that, so I did feel like I got to carry the weight for being a Latina director and being a female director too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, Oh, I'm going to get this right. Cause I don't want them to be like, remember the one time we hired mm-hmm. a female. 
Uh, but on the other side of that, of like the story, they were like, do you feel like you needed to open it up? I go, no. One, I was making a biopic, right? Because mm-hmm. so his life was his life. Yeah. <laughs> his family was his family. I couldn't cast a Puerto Rican mom sure, because yeah. she wasn't. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, if yeah. you were another type of director, you could have. You could have been like, hey, uh, James Franco, you were free to do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not that as a pure example of something like that. But, right. Yeah. Um, but I felt like the more specific and authentic I was, the yeah. broader the appeal and um, and so I made it a rule of thumb, like every actor had to be Mexican-American mm-hmm. because they were playing real people. But also there's um, a rhythm to our language and, and there's a rhythm to Chicano culture and there's a, a specificity to Chicano culture and I wanted to get it right. And yeah. I I felt like if I, if I tried to like, let me be super inclusive with like this umbrella of all Latinos in this film, I would have gotten it massively wrong. Yeah. Um, and so – I think nobody should be held to that being everything yeah. to everybody. We're never going to win that way. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Um, mm-hmm. There's something I've been dying to ask you oh in regards God. to the film. Mm-hmm. And I always want to make sure it was one-on-one when I did. Okay. There is to, – to go back to the unity aspect. There is a underlying theme of unity in this movie, especially with uh, the Dennis uh, character. Oh, Dennis Haysbert, yeah. Dennis Haysbert, who's – Precious Cargo, we need to put him in way more movies. But um, he, the way his interaction is with, with Richard in the film, because it, it, we've seen, a, I talk about that's one of the main things our people, we need to reconcile is racism and colorism within our own culture. And the movie does such a great job of looking at that and putting some hope behind that message in addition to this machismo uh, macho mentality, especially with Richard's um, relationship to his father. Yeah. And I want it, and we all have like our own fair share of parental and daddy issues. Yeah. But can you talk about some of that, those personal isms that you felt when you read the script and then when you made the movie, when you saw it in the editing room? Yeah. That really spoke to you. Well, it's interesting because when I first sat with Richard, when I went in for the movie uh, to to pitch myself the movie, I was like, "We're not making a movie about the flaming hot Cheeto. Like, let's just get that out. I want to make a movie about this man." And I had went down a rabbit hole of all his videos because he does a lot of motivational speaking and his stories. I read all of his books, and I was like, "I can't wait to talk to him." And then I, I when I finally got to sit with him, you, it was obvious. The trauma he had from his relationship with his father was central to his life and central to his drive. Like he had such a desire to to be more and do better than the generation before him. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? And he's like, oh, well, you know, my dad and I, you know. And I was like, ooh. And I was like digging in there. And so as Linda, the writer, Linda Chavez, and I sat with him many times, it always bubbled up. It always bubbled up, and I was like, okay, we got to – we got to – the dad is an important character, not only in Richard's real mm. life, but we got to we gotta put this guy in the movie. And then as we were filling out the factory, um, Linda and I felt it was just thin. We're like, God, he doesn't have any allies. He doesn't have – it was in the 70s, and, you know, racism was alive and well in mm-hmm. corporate America at this time. Mm-hmm. And um, I just felt like, God, I wish he had somebody in the factory. And so as Linda and I were trying to f- – 
figure out how to fictionalize this. I go, well, let's ask Richard. I don't feel like we've dug in enough in the in his in the factory. So we go and we talk to Richard again, the real Richard, and he's like, well, you know, one of my best friends was Julius. He was a black guy, and we're like, what? <laughs> like literally, this was like towards the end of writing the script. <laughs> I mean, we were like, you've never <laughs> mentioned this guy, and he's like, oh man, yeah, he was amazing because he really he would never get promoted because he was black. And he wouldn't help me because he was the person of color that had a really good job. And he's like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not letting go of these reins. Like, yeah. you're not going to take my job from me. So he didn't want to train other people, but he did, he did help Richard, right? Yeah. And so we, and you know, he, he just passed away before the film oh. came out, the real guy. Yeah. Jul- his name was Julius. Um, Richard was a pallbearer at his funeral. But um, that relationship was real. It was real. And their shared bond of like, we're the brown people in the factory was real. And so all all of that stuff, you know, I I was really threading a needle with making sure I wasn't being medicinal with like, it sucks, racism, and educating the audience with like, this is the situation. This is what happened. And that's why I always take a lot of cues from Adam McKay and, and the way he sets the table efficiently in his films with a very, very quick montage and whether he breaks the fourth wall to tell you like, look, this is the housing crisis, 2008, shit was going down, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Yep. Like he's hoping you get it and let's go. We're moving on. Yep. I'm not I'm not going to explain this for very long. Yep. And I was like, oh, I kind of got to set the table about how Chicanos in, in the 70s, I mean, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Now um, we're a class apart, right? We're not black and we're not white. And... We're discriminated against sometimes, but we're white passing, so we have yeah. privilege. And, the, you know, so it was like, oh, how do I explain a complicated situation? this complicated identity that we navigate? We have police brutality. We yeah. have discrimination, but not all the time, you know, and because sometimes we don't. And so you're like, oh, God. So I, I did that Chicano montage at the top to go, this is what was happening at this time. And it was very – it was a big nod to, to – um, Adam McKay, because I thought he does that really great. Uh, and so I hope, you know, I f- feel like I, I I really straddled that, you know, educating the audience, setting the table, talking about racism and classism, but not to where you're like, I get it. Oh, my God. Down with the white man. Because like, it wasn't that. Yeah. Even Matt Walsh's character um, in The Factory, he wasn't a racist as much as he was a classist and he was a, a status quo guy. He was kind of I- like, ignorance. please There's don't like, rock yeah. the boat, dude. Yeah. Like, really? You came up with a recipe and you want me to call who? <laughs> please don't make me do that. Like, he just was like, don't give me any more work than I need to do. So he wasn't like an evil mustache twirling yeah. villain. But the ignorance that yeah. somebody in that position could have of like, you don't understand. You're blocking my my way to improve my own life. He didn't set out to do that. But he did it, you know, and so. Which I say it's often, that's such a good description because that's like, feels like the majority of Hollywood sometimes. There's not outward, ra- like direct no. racism. It's yeah. just like, oh. Well, I say like, that too. There's not like executives up in their towers going, let's uh, not hire women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they're not doing that. They just unconsciously hire who they're used to hiring. Yeah. And what when I'm in a position of power as a director or producer, I consciously hire 
with the lens of diversity. Mm. And so that's the difference is just like I, I'm obviously hyper aware of it. I'm like, I really yeah. would like to give a woman a shot at being a DP on this TV show. I really want to give women a shot at these directing slots. Why don't we start there yeah. and then go to Bill, Bob and John that we always hire. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Last two questions for you uh, on uh, great debut feature film and I, and I and I as much as I want to talk about it mm-hmm. I also get very hypersensitive about talking about okay what's next what's a sophomore <laughs> because 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 oh. a lot of times what happens is people like you know we gave you one and then I'm like yeah great and I would like the next one please because they think they fulfilled their quota for the for the decade. <laughs> for the we decade. gave you a movie, so she's fine. But I, I'm like, okay, so how long? Because I, I know a while back, and I don't. I'm dying to hear an update on it. Nine to five. Is that oh, is that coming? Well, they're remaking nine to five. But you're not. Are you not doing um, it anymore? I have yet to get the script, but no. I, Carrie oh. Washington, and I, outside of the original property, mm-hmm. I said I want to remake nine to five, but our movie is at Universal, and it's called Twenty Four Seven. Which is like the reimagining. It's like, it's like a reimagining uh, yeah. of like women in the workplace in a post times up world. Okay. Uh, and it's been 30 years since nine to five. So surely no, things have changed. Stopped. It's been 10 years. It's not been 30 years. <laughs> it's been 30 no, years. No, 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 no. So great. surely things for women have changed in the workplace. Sure. And the whole comedy is they have not. Mm, <laughs> you yeah. know, and especially like uh, we had some really funny stuff in the script that we're still trying to get right. We're trying to land the third act right now but where you know there's a you know there's a guy's like whoa hey you can't touch your boobs anymore sorry I'm like no you could never touch our boobs anymore like what are you talking about when, like when were you allowed when to were you do? allowed to touch my boobs like it's so really taking a head-on stab at the shit women have to put up with in the workplace today um and in, instead of like a nine to five where the boss was a man in our version the boss is a woman She's a woman-hating woman. Mm. And she's... A female Matt Walsh character. It's like Tess (laughs) in Working Girl 30 years later, Mm. right? Like, she's like, you know how many people had a blow to get here? Just blow some people. And you're like, no, 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 no. That's not a mentor's advice. (laughs) Please don't give me that advice. But it's like that where she's like, oh, God. You know, she's just... yeah. So, so it's coming. We we are still getting. Oh, it, I though. don't know. I don't it's just, know. It's, it's, just in, it's still in the ether. In the ether. Carrie and I are obsessed to work together. Yes. Um, but it was a really good. So anyway, we are developing it at Universal, and I was about to direct that movie, and then I got Flaming Hot, oh, and because God. I didn't feel like the script was quite ready, and Paul Feig, who's a producer on on that one, um, he said, "Your job, your only job, actually." as a director is to get the script right. Mm. Don't ever set foot on a set and go, we'll fix it on set. We'll fix it (laughs) in editing. (laughs) We'll fix it later. You will not fix it. If it's not on the page, it will not make sense on set. And so that's what kind of what happened with that script. It was like, it was like, we're still kind of trying to work out the third act and then flaming hot came. And so it just happened to be my, my first film, which I'm now I'm like so happy because it's such a great first outing. First outing, but also it's such a great um, business card for me. It's exactly who I am. My fingerprints are all over that movie in the sense of like it's the culmination of my activism, my political activism, my academia, uh, my fun comedy chops, my work with actors, you know, my superpower with actors. Like 
And actually, it was Carrie that said this. She goes, wow, like that movie is literally the definition of who Eva is. It's your personality through and through. It's fast. It's energetic. It's funny. It's heartfelt. It's emotional. It's, it's, and so I thought, oh, that's – I'm so happy it ended up being – the, the first one out, but let me, I haven't given up on this other one. So then while we were, uh, while the shooting flaming hot, they sent me uh, a note going, so they're, re- they're actually remaking nine, the real nine to five. Oh, Do you want to take a read at it? And I was like, Oh that. my gosh. Yeah. They're actually remaking it. Oh. And working girl, I think. I did hear about the working girl, which I'm, Selena? uh, which I'm very, I'm, very weary. Uh, well, like, Melanie Griffith is one of my best I, friends. I, yeah, I love Melanie Griffith. I, I love Working like, Girl. Don't touch that movie. It's her Oscar nom. It's like it's the, it's, it's her Melanie the, Griffith. I know it's yeah. Mel. Okay, okay. So, so I don't know, but it's so funny you say this about like what's next. What's your sophomore yeah. film? I have two thoughts about this because I'm I'm like oh my god, the next one has to be equally substantive and entertaining Mm -hmm. and meaningful and that says something and I just have to be in love with it like I was in love with Flaming Hot. Like I just knew with every, you know, ounce inside of me that I had to direct Flaming Hot and everything I read, I don't feel that. And then I was like, okay, maybe maybe I'm setting the bar too high. Maybe I should just direct something. Like I I don't need to have to feel that passionate like Flaming Hot. And uh, my agent's like, I mean, you probably should feel pretty <laughs> passionate about it. But there's a lot of fun things that I want to, you know, yeah. uh, like, like that, that 24-7 it would be really fun. It wouldn't, it's not, we're not, I mean, it is culture defining. Like I like culture defining material. And I do think 24-7 has an opportunity to do that. But that's a fun, big, fun female comedy, right? Yeah. Like Flaming Hot was, again, it it said a lot of things and it was a big, brand right so super commercial but super intimate and super like it did a lot of things flaming hot delivered on a lot of things i don't know if my next film has to deliver on all of all of that that flaming hot did because uh, i kind of just want to do a, a big feel, fun female comedy yeah. i want to blow shit up i want to do a big action i want to blow up buildings and do car chases maybe i don't know but i i just know i haven't i haven't read what that is, yeah. and I don't know if I should put that much pressure on it e- yeah. either. I mean, I would like a Kerry Washington, Eva Longoria buddy cop comedy. Like, I think you guys would make amazing. <laughs> Carrie, but by the way, Carrie and I are the part. same person. I, uh, the, Literally, I, we're I the same person. She's the, the, the black La- Eva Longoria, and I'm the Latina Carrie Washington. <laughs> so, anyone who wants to do that, <laughs> feel free. Write it away. I'll direct it. And last question, because we just have to, I mean, we have to ask, because, you know, we, we fell in love with you almost. 15 years 20. ago? 20. It's 19 years ago. Almost to the day. Year, five years ago. I'm going I'm to keep, keep it all short. Um, is there a group chat that exists that talks about a reboot or a re or, or a comeback to? There there's not a group chat. But there, Mark Cherry and I text all the time because I direct a lot for him mm-hmm. still. Actually, I might be directing his next pilot. And uh, he started my directing career. So when he saw Flaming Hot, he was crying so hard when when he was walking out of the theater, and he goes, "I don't know if I'm crying because the movie's so good, yeah. or because I'm so proud of you. <laughs> like I can't, you made that, you made that. Like he remembers the first time we were in an editing bay together, and I didn't get a master of something, and he almost ripped my head <laughs> off. And I was like, okay, I should remember to get that. <laughs> this was 12 years ago. Like yeah. he really taught me a lot, and 
so we have a ch- we have a chat him and I and yeah. and I said Mark you never want to are you sure and he's like no he feels like you know look I was on TV in a time where there was 24 episodes a season yes. there's none of this 6 to 8 bullshit mm-hmm. episodes right like no no 24 episodes for 8 years it was a decade of my life even people who watch it during covid goes I never finished it oh my god mm-hmm. there's so many episodes so he feels like he fully mined the characters yeah um and so he doesn't know he doesn't he felt like he was saying something back in 2004 about women and he doesn't know what he would say today he feels yeah. like he was really i mean he was really inspired by his mom i mean the, his desperate housewives is his mom mm. um it's it's brie brie was his mom uh and he modeled you know marcia cross's character after yeah. his own mother and he just felt like it was saying something then and he doesn't know what it would say now. And uh, I was like, what about a spinoff? I think I want to say he was working on like a prequel of some sort of Wisteria Lane, but I don't know whatever happened to that. Ooh. That's that's but okay. that's a different group of women. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be me. But nice. let me tell you, I'd be the first person to All sign right. up. OK, I miss Gabby. So let's, let's, I love her. Let's start with the group chat and then we'll get this going. <laughs> that's Eva Longoria, director and executive producer of Flame and Hot, now streaming on Hulu. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.